Welcome to His Hands, His Feet podcast. I'm your host, Kenneth Camp. I'm excited to share with you today an interview with Suzette Lamb. Suzette is a licensed professional counselor supervisor with clinical experience that includes group, individual, marital, and family therapy. She has extensive training in attachment, adoption, and trauma. And before joining Central Texas Attachment and Trauma Center, Suzette was the clinical director of a foster and adoptive agency for almost 20 years. Suzette is also, also has advanced training in a parenting model called Circle of Security as a parent educator. Danielle and I had the privilege of attending a retreat uh, recently where Suzette taught on this subject, and that brings us to today's topic. If you access this podcast through the embedded link in my book, Foster and Adoptive Parenting, then you already know that I have a chapter in the book entitled Establishing a Safe Haven for Your Child. And in that chapter, I talk a little bit about circle of security and uh, what that model teaches and how it applies, you know, how we have applied it or tried to apply it to uh, our family. But I wanted to have Suzette, who's an expert on this parenting model, to just spend some time with us and talk a little bit more about it in depth. So, um, that's why I'm excited, and that's why I've asked her to come join us. So let's join the conversation. And with that, Suzette, uh, I'd like to invite you to say hi, and please add anything that I missed that you would like our audience to know about you. Sure. Well, it's really great to be here. Thank you for having me. And um, I think the only thing I would add is that it's been um, such a privilege to work with families and be um, allowed to participate in this journey with them because it's a challenging road, but an incredibly satisfying one. And um, I think that this model and the work that I've gotten to do really go well together in terms of even helping uh, parents feel secure in in the journey that they've chosen to take with, with their children. But, now, I know you've, uh, you've had a you know, great influence on a lot of different families, including ours, and so I want to thank you as a, as a family, as a parent. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, you know, a lot of people I don't think are real familiar with this parenting model, the circle of security, and so I was wanting, if you would, just to start off by giving a little history. I know it's got a, a, a really neat history in the way that it originated. Do you mind doing that? No, not at all. Um, yeah, this is a model that has... Um, included over 30 years of intensive research and and fine-tuning by an incredible team of clinicians and researchers and um, started out um, being utilized with uh, a Head Start population, so lower-income and economically challenged families with small children, um, has been used um, also in jail diversion programs with high-risk moms. And the outcomes that this group of individuals um, found from their work after distilling down literally 50 years of attachment research um, was really amazing. In an eight to 10 week group, um, some of these uh, moms that had struggled for years with multiple children or even with a single child um, were finding that they were able to attach and bond with their children in a way that they'd never experienced before. And their children were showing... um, incredible signs of behavioral improvement, emotional self-regulation, and um, 
you know, f- there are so many models out there that work on just managing a behavior. And this model really focuses on the implicit needs that we all have as human beings to be seen and heard and felt. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's just a real, it's an amazing um, model because it takes so much that is really complex and hard to articulate sometimes and brings it down to the level of how do I actually do this with a child and how do I do this as a parent? Yes, that's great. Um, you know, there's, as, as we've already talked about, you know, I talk a lot about an attachment in my book, both uh, in the, my book and also on my blog. And, and when we're talking about, you mentioned just now that a lot of models out there really focus on behavior and, and how there's, you know, the whole essence of the book and, and my encouragement to parents is that parenting with connection and focusing on attachment really is a good way to, to parent, even though it's hard at times. And I agree with you, this model really simplify, simplifies this in a way that we can really have something, uh, you know, just a, a path that we can follow, something mm-hmm. we can look at. And, you know, talking about attachment, um, you know, there are, I know I heard you speak one time about this at that retreat, and you're talking about there's four functions of attachment. Do you mind touching on those briefly? Sure. Um, the Our goal in um, secure attachment is that we are able to give care to others, receive care, uh, negotiate our needs, and have a sense of an autonomous self. And the circle of security model um, teaches parents how to provide both a secure base, so a place that their children can launch from, and also a safe haven, a place where their children can return to for support. Um, And so it's kind of this, it's a giving of care to a child um, and then the child receiving the care. And in that process of what we call going out on the circle, there's a beautiful um, uh, visual model Mm -hmm. that, that shows, you know, that we as the caregivers are holding these children kind of in our hands, but in our hearts as well. And even when they're away from us out in the world that we, ha- we have a task and that task is for them to know that we are there with them no matter where they are and that we'll be there when they come back. Um, and then there are things that we're going to do on both um, the top of the circle and the bottom of the circle to uh, facilitate their learning about themselves in the world. And so there's actually four tasks on each both the top and the and the bottom of the circle. You bet. And I, I want to talk about those for a little bit. And if you're listening and, and you have have the book in the chapter establishing a safe haven, that that diagrams in the book. And so I, I encourage you to either if you're able to right now while you're listening to take a look at that diagram. If you're listening to this podcast and you've never seen my book um, and you've never seen this this diagram or this visual that Suzette's referring to, you can go to Circle of Security uh, website. And, and pull that up. So just Google Circle Security and, and you'll find it. But it is a very good visual. They also have a, a brief video on that site, by the way. That's really good and helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about, so in the child, so we provide a secure base as a parent. Mm-hmm. And, and so the child, and that kind of gives the child um, the confidence, is that right, to go out into the world? And, right. Right. We want to, we want to provide a, um, kind of a launching pad for them to go out and explore. And so our job, um, as a secure base is to watch over them, even then when they're away to delight in what they're experiencing, to help them 
when they need help, not before they need help or after they needed it for a long time, but just at the, you know, when they need something. And to really just enjoy um, the experience of them experiencing the world with them. And so it's really all about supporting their exploration. We want kids to feel uh, that they can go out into the world and have all kinds of experiences, knowing that there's somebody basically standing behind them at all times, whether they're physically present or just emotionally present, mm-hmm. um, to encourage that. So a couple of questions come to my mind. You know, of course, I'm thinking about our, our son who's about to turn six, and it looks different at different ages, right, uh, mm-hmm. what that circle looks like. But when it's, when it's happening well, what, what does that look like? What do, you, what do we see the interaction between a parent and a child. Yeah, we see, you know, and it could be simple things like talking about their day at school. Um, let's say a kid has had a uh, either a fantastic day or a really tough day at school, and as you're sitting around the dinner table at night, um, you're listening to their story about what happened. You're, you know, eliciting details. Tell me what happened next, and what did you do, and what did the teacher say, and and in that, in moments when they're things that they did well or that they were proud of that we say, oh, that was great, fantastic. It sounds like you did a great job of that. And times when they, when they struggle or they're embarrassed about something or they're hurt or confused, then um, we're also allowing them to, to share that part of themselves without um, in that moment necessarily correcting them or trying to teach them something, but really just being with them in their experience because we weren't there while they were doing it, but we're asking them to bring that to you so that we can be there with them in the experience. So, yes, and I think you're describing a little bit of the, as they're coming back in to yes. the safe haven. Right. And, there, and there's some tasks there as well. Absolutely. Uh, and you kind of, you've been describing them, but um, what's, what's kind of how they're, how are they listed out? What's like on the diagram that some of us are looking at? It says like protect me and, and so on. Right, exactly. And that's, and that's the thing. I'm glad you pointed that out. This, this going out and coming back in happens, you know, a thousand times when a child is very young and they're mm-hmm. with a parent more. But even as children get older and even teenagers, um, there's this constant going out and coming back in that can happen multiple times a day. Um, and, and it happens not just physically, but also, again, the child may visit in their mind, what would my mom or dad say about this? Or, mm-hmm. you know, and so our job when they're coming back to us is to welcome them, first of all, to allow them to come to us, to be available. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but we also want to, again, delight in whatever their experiences um, have been, comfort them if they are in distress, protect them if they're bringing to us a challenge or an issue that is overwhelming them. And most importantly, the one that I, I think is the critical function in this uh, safe haven is help them organize their feelings. Mm-hmm. It's really important for kids and people to feel um, when they're confused, overwhelmed emotionally or um, in any other way to have somebody that can help them make sense of what happened, not solve the problem for them or tell them what to do or think about it necessarily, but really to, to lay all the pieces of their experience out and in a safe, contained way, explore um, what that meant, um, what they did, what they need, and then they can come together collaboratively to a place at a developmentally appropriate age, you know, mm-hmm. uh, about what to do about that. And sometimes that requires us to assist them with something or advocate for them. 
And sometimes it requires us to sit back and allow them to go out and try a new strategy or skill or a behavior. Um, sure. Yeah, definitely. I can see that. You know, and, you know, our son being so young, I can, there's two things. One is, you know, this model when it's working well, like you're describing like that, when the parent is, you know, delighting over their child and enjoying being with them and welcoming them well. And the child is, you know, for example, when they're young, say you're at a playground, something like that, and they're going out exploring the playground, but they keep looking back or they run back to you Mm -hmm. every so you know, often to kind of maybe give you a hug and then go back out when you see that, or if it's a teenager and they check in with you, right. You know, Mm. know, like a text or, uh, you know, or call or whatever, or they come home and tell you about how their day was Mm -hmm. when it's, when it's working well, it's, it really is a a beautiful thing. But you know, like when our son came to us, I can recall many times that first year or two after he was able to, to run, you know, like mm-hmm. when he was like three years old and we would go into public places and he would just take off running and not look back and not look back. Yeah. And, and, and so to see, you know, and I learned about this model after that season of his life and it just, you know, it was very enlightening to see the difference and the change. And, mm-hmm. and so that, um, so are there other kind of, when you see it not working well, what are some other things that you notice when it's not working well, like a child not looking back and, or something to that effect? Sure. Yeah, and, and that's a very common thing. You know, when, when we have early uh, experiences in our lives where people have not been available as a secure base or a safe haven, then uh, for some of us, we develop a strategy that says, well, I'm on my own and I'm just going to figure out the world by myself. So there's no reason to look back because there, ever, there hasn't ever been somebody there for me. Um, and we mm-hmm. see that same kind of strategy um, in other ways, like not asking for help. A very common one is a kid struggling in school and with organization or with the actual academics and not asking their parent for help, Mm. Um, and uh, which can be very frustrating and and parents can get focused on the, um, they're not doing well in school and miss the part about what can I do to help facilitate this child's feeling of safety and coming to me and saying, I don't know how to do this or I'm not doing it well. Um, and there's, so there's a lot about this, um, this model that also requires the parent to really be aware of themselves, to reflect on how they're presenting to their child so that their child feels safe enough to come to them with things that are beautiful and delightful and also things that are embarrassing or difficult. As I hope, I, I hope I'm hearing that and I hope other parents that are listening hear that because that's so profound. And, uh, you know, I think back about struggles I had growing up, but then also, and I know that affects how I interact with my child today. Uh, but um, there's things that I've noticed with our son that, that is reassuring. You know, one thing I've noticed that he'll say now that he's started kindergarten, he'll, he'll come home and he'll say either to Danielle, my wife, or myself, um, I didn't tell my teacher this, but I, I feel okay telling you something mm-hmm. to, like that, and mm-hmm. um, uh, which has been good. Um, and then I want to talk a little bit more about you know because that's kind of like the, organizing their thoughts or mm-hmm. kind of what can you talk a little bit more about that? What's that look like? Um, 
you know, when you help a child, regardless of their age, just kind of make sense of the world. Right. Well, and, I, and I'll give a, a real life example. I work with lots of families, um, children and families that are um, fostering or have adopted children and, and also a lot of families that are raising biological children. And it's the same task. I think that's also, I think, important for people to know is this model just doesn't apply to high risk families or children with uh, coming from hard places. It's really about um, the task of raising a human being. And so um, recently I had a, a young lady, um, L, a middle school kid, and her um, foster parent in my office, and we were talking about um, some of her challenging history and how that affected her for, in terms of um, being afraid at night. Mm -hmm. And um, she had never shared with her foster parent that when the lights went down at night and they, everybody was tucked in and they'd said their prayers and did all the nighttime routine that she was laying there worrying about her, um, the person that had hurt her in her family mm. coming to find her. Um, and they've had lots of struggles at night around um, bedtime that the caregiver thought was just she's refusing to go to bed or she's being oppositional. And um, we really were able to just kind of sit in the in the session and really talk about all the details. And I, I supported the parent by really encouraging her to not ask too many questions, to just as in terms of like why this or why that, but more like, well tell me about that. Mm -hmm. And what and what how did that feel? And what were you thinking? And and did you know that the person that you're afraid of is in is in prison? And mm -hmm. they're in prison for such a long time that you won't even be a child anymore when they get out. And so there's this combination of how do you, what is having the child articulate how they feel, um, what they're thinking, um, and then also providing just enough information so that they can incorporate that and uh, come to a better understanding of how, um, of what that means for them. And then the parent did an incredible job of saying, and you know, if you had told me this, I would, have, I would have been able to help you feel better. It's always okay for you to come and tell me when you're scared. Mm -hmm. And so reinforcing that, even though we're talking about a very specific topic, the sleeping at night, um, she also um, was able to tell her anytime you feel anything that feels like what you feel right now, it's okay to come to me and my job is to help you. Yeah. It just reminds me, you know, our son will at night... Um, you know, call out for me or, or Danielle, and I'll go in there and lay down, and, and I'll say, what's going on, buddy? And he'll say, well, I, I'm too afraid to tell you. And mm -hmm. as a parent, you know, it's, it can be a little frustrating, right? You know, how mm -hmm. do I draw this out? But then, you know, learning about this model and just parenting with connection in general, you know, I, I, I really try to just say, well, you know, it's okay. You know, you're, you can tell me anything. You can always tell me anything. You don't have to worry about you know, me laughing at you about it or getting angry with you or anything like that. And yeah. um, it, so like the other night that happened just a couple of nights ago and I was laying there and I just laid there, put my hands behind my back, you know, my head. And, you know, and of course he, he imitated me being six, mm. you know, he put it, we're <laughs> 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 just laying there and I'm like, so yeah, just tell me what are you know, in the dark, you know, whatever yeah. you want to tell me. And I don't think you really told me anything, but, um, but that, um, Objective. What do you would say is the objective of parenting this way, to following this model? Well, I think that you know, and that's a great example. The one that you just gave is it can be frustrating, um, especially because we're human beings that we think that our primary mode of communication is verbal. 
And so you ask a question, hey, what's going on? And he says, I'm too afraid to tell you. And our intellectual adult brains go, well, if you would just use your words and tell me, then I could help you. And, you know, again, it's that, what do I need to do? And really, you just laying there with him in the dark and saying, yeah, being scared is no fun. I understand that. And you can always tell me anything whenever you're ready is just a great way because he may not have words yet to describe what he wants to tell you. But you're also not saying, well, you know what, come and get me when you figure it out and leaving the room. You're just being with him in that moment, telling him whatever you're experiencing is okay. And when you're ready or able, I'm here for you. So that being with, that's, that's a big part of. Yeah. Yeah. And learning how to be with. And I'll tell you, there's, there's a lot of things that distract us from that. Yes. That's, that's the big thing. Um, um, well, I'm just kind of digesting a lot of that right now myself, but, um, trying to think if there was something, I had another thought on that and it just went right out. (laughs) the other side of my head, but, um, now, this is all really good stuff. I, I know what it was. It's just it's finding that balance as a parent. I think a lot of times, especially in our culture, our objective and our goal is to get our children to be uh, independent as much mm-hmm. as possible as soon as, as we can. And, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of this parenting with connection and circle of security parenting model that that really kind of pushes against that a little bit in a, in a good way to where yeah. learning how to be with, how to remain connected and but at the same time helping that child as as we were talking about earlier one of the four functions is that you know autonomous self learning how to be okay on their own but yet still feel connected to us is that am i summarizing that well yeah and i think that that's a really important thing especially in our culture that we think we're our, our task is to raise these independent um individuals who, you know, are self-sufficient. And uh, the Sigurl of Security folks remind us that self-sufficiency isn't a sign of emotional strength, psychological health, or even really an option. We're designed as human beings to be in connection with other people. And so even when we're out in the world and we physically look like we're alone, um, we want a sense of autonomy, which is that in our minds and hearts that we carry with us the knowing that there are other people out there in the world who are concerned about us, interested in us, and available to us. Because when we're truly alone and we don't have that sense of others being in our world, then we're actually, that's when we see anxiety and depression and all kinds of other um, problem behaviors coming up. So we're not, we, we don't want to raise uh, individuals who think they don't need anybody else or feel like they can't rely on anybody else. We want to raise people who know I can be myself in the world and I also have people that care about me for who I am and what I'm doing. We want autonomy within relatedness, and we want relatedness within autonomy. Very, very good. That, uh, that helps, actually, a lot. Um, Suzette, I, I appreciate you expounding on, on the Circle Security model for us. Uh, I wanted to give you an opportunity, if there was something else you wanted to add before we wrap things up. It, um, I don't think so. I think, you know, there's a lot to this. Again, it's yes. the circle of security is amazing because there's just so much complexity to the process of um, of parenting and attaching and bonding to children and promoting their sense of self. And yet, you know, it's distilled down literally that one visual that you uh, referred to and, and have there mentioned in your book sums it all up so beautifully that um, 
I would really encourage everybody to go look at that and watch the video on the Circle of Security site and just see that it can be overwhelming to think I have to do all these things. I always liken it to playing golf. You're standing there and there's like 472 <laughs> things you have to remember. That's right. <laughs> While you hit a very tiny ball with a long stick. Um, but um, really when, you, when it comes down to it, there are just a few things that if we can focus on, you know, being a great launching pad and being a welcoming um, safe place for kids to come back to. Those are the things that we need to do. And there's a lot that can block that. But mm-hmm. if we can keep it in our minds that we really have very few tasks that we have to do and that just being with and there for our children is the most important thing that we can be. That's a great summary. And going back to your golf analogy, the, the more we practice that swing, you know, mm. practice this model, the more it becomes natural, right? And Absolutely. It becomes a rhythm of the way we parent. Well, again, I appreciate your free time. I know you have a busy schedule. And um, before we, we sign off, is there anything that you'd like to promote or, or tell the audience about? I know, you know, um, one is a time-sensitive deal, but um, if there's any, like a conference, I know there's a... Um, a conference coming up in November in uh, Austin. Are you are you participating with that again this year? I'm not presenting uh, this year, but the Adoption Knowledge Affiliates Conference is coming up uh, the first weekend in November, I believe, and uh, would encourage uh, folks to, to check that out. Uh, check out the website because there's also resources there. Um, Circle of Security um, is available also in lots of different places, not just here in, in Texas, but all over actually the United States and the world. And so Anybody listening to this that's interested in more would like to participate um, can go and find uh, Circle of Security Parenting Educators on their website and contact them to find out if they're doing a, a local group because um, it's just a it's a, just a great thing and it's also a community they do this in a group format so that there's a community of people who are all like going on this journey mm-hmm. to be better parents together. That's always helpful. And those that, that have my book, this the website is on on the research a resource page as well. So well, with that, um, that is today's episode of His Hands, His Feet. And thank you for joining me. I look forward to the next time we are together. Thank you, Suzette. Thank you. I so enjoy listening to Suzette teach. She communicates uh, so eloquently, easily, with humor. And it. Uh, I've learned a lot from her uh, the few times that I've listened to her teach on a subject such as circle of security and there's one thing that she said that i really loved and it's this we are designed as humans to be connected with other people who are concerned about us interested in us and available to us that's such a powerful powerful statement you know just this morning i was taking my son to school and as we were walking down the hallway and we were just chatting about things and i told him i said i will be thinking about you today and I know that's because I haven't, I, that came out naturally because I've internalized this parenting model, the circle of security. And hopefully if he has any moments throughout the day that, that uh, are challenging for him, that he will remember that I told him that and that he knows that I'm concerned about him, interested in him, and available to him. I really do love that. So powerful. You know, Suzette mentioned some resources, specifically the uh, Circle of Security. We talked about their website and the diagram. If you uh, don't have that in front of you, two ways you can uh, get that information or see the links to those resources. One is if you have my book, those are on the resource page. If you don't have a copy of Foster and a 
and adoptive parenting. I encourage you to get a copy on Amazon. You can get an ebook version at this time. And then also you can go to my website. And in fact, you can go straight to this episode by typing in www.kennethacamp.com slash session 009. And I will have uh, the resources mentioned and in, in links in the show notes for this um, this podcast. So again, I really appreciate Suzette coming and joining us today and sharing from her wealth of uh, expertise. And with that, thank you for joining me with His Hands, His Feet podcast. Talk to you next time. Thank you.